Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 40-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. When it comes to success in network marketing, who better to learn from than leaders who have actually done it? Listen as Richard interviews top leaders and gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how they did it. You'll get incredible tips and duplicable actions you can do right now to build your own four-year career. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's easy-to-use tools that will help propel your network marketing business to the next level at blissbusiness.com. Hey, everybody. Richard Bliss Brooke here. Welcome to another hero interview this is hero interview number 99 99 people in the last three years we have profiled the people that have crushed the four-year career and done it in a legacy company we only interview people that have done it in a legacy company that'd be a company that's been in business you know, at least seven, eight, 10 years or more, but has demonstrated uh, ethical, consistent growth with real products and real customers, something you can count on paying you for the next 30 or 40, 50 years. And who is sharing the screen with me today is none other than Linda Evenden from the Gold Coast of Australia. And she is a sales leader, a top sales leader. She'll tell me her rank. I don't remember. Some big thing. Probably the first female intergalactic starship <laughs> commander, <laughs> Captain Linda with Juice Plus. I like that, Captain. <laughs> Captain <laughs> Linda. So, Linda, before we get into it, you go ahead and say hi to everyone. Um, hi. I'm super excited to be here. Great honor. And look at your beautiful office. It's, well, it's sunny Queensland for a start. That helps. I always like to have fresh flowers as my, my treat. It's one of those things that I work towards. Um, yeah. it's, it's one of my little self-care, self-love things Good that I you. have. Flowers make me happy. Okay, so we're going to dive into Linda's story, but first I have this disclaimer. So with these hero interviews, who we interview are people that we consider to be heroes, heroines in the network marketing profession. They have built extraordinary businesses. They are exceptional. They are not the norm. They are not average every once in a while someone will ask us well what does the average distributor earn and i think the answer to that is nothing <laughs> <laughs> average people don't actually do really well in network marketing but linda has and <laughs> because she's extraordinary so just want you to be clear that the stories that are portrayed on the hero call are not representative of what you should expect to achieve in your company. 
You could expect it to achieve it if you chose to, and you develop the belief yourself, but we're not here to represent that what these people have done, you will do, especially if you're average. So we are honored today. I have had the opportunity in the last few months living here in Australia to spend some time with Linda. She has an extraordinary story of being a pioneer in a legacy company, like a real legacy company, in a new market and with new leadership. And she has paved the way. She has built an extraordinary team where nobody else really had done it before her in her market. She like led the way. And so she's going to tell us that story and she's going to tell us what she did. So first of all, Linda, welcome to the Bliss Business Hero Call. And tell us your story. Tell us a little bit about you before Juice Plus. Who were you? Where were you? What were you doing? And then flow that into how did you, how did you get introduced to network marketing? Great. Thank you. Again, I'm just so honored to have this time with everyone. So I, I did all the right things. I went to, uh, I was always an achiever. I always wanted to dream big and, and create something special. I always loved travel and I went to university and had no clue what I was doing. I switched around from zoology and psychology and politics and ended up doing an arts degree and soon found that often you don't use what you learn at university and you certainly don't get paid for it. You don't get paid while you learn and I juggled three jobs because I never wanted to be a broke struggling student and so I, I started in a corporate career. I started on the phones and then worked for Australia's, um, one of the Australia's biggest companies at the time. And I worked my way up through there and landed in what I thought was the dream job, which was public relations, swanning around, you know, meeting celebrities and doing all this great stuff. But really, it was very unfulfilling. After I was enticed by more money and climbing up the ladder. And once I got a little bored with that, I actually felt very empty. Um, I was surrounded by other people really making an impact. Some of my closest friends were doctors. They were going off on missions and doing all this great stuff. And I'm like, I don't make a difference in the world. I really, you know, really, if the phone company makes a bit more money, I don't know if that's, that's impact. And you, didn't, you didn't matter. I, I really did, you know, and, and the illusion, the early illusion I was buying into, Richard, was that, that money was my identity and success was my identity and money was the way to really measure that. And I, I think that's, the, that's a horrible illusion that a lot of us are under. So I had the courage to leave that and luckily um, met the man of my dreams. We've been together 17 years. And he had this dream job in the wine industry and that took us to the USA. So we started our own business. We created a wine tasting kit and we had all of the joys and headaches of kind of that first baby being our business. And it, it was a nightmare, to be honest. <laughs> it was even, even though we got this product on all the shelves, we had the pain of being the distributor and the label compliance and I was the salesperson and the accountant and, and again, 
my soul just was sucked up and I thought, I'm not making a difference. I found myself in the same position. Mm -hmm. And by the time we got back to Australia to live here, it was the start of the global financial crisis. And it was a good time to leave the US and come back home. And we had to start from scratch because we bought in Vegas at the top of the market. We bottomed out at the bottom of the market. And so there was a real reality check there. Suddenly it felt like I woke up one day, I had three kids under three and a half. And I just was like, how did I get here? This is not the dream. I've, I've done the right things. I'm smart. I'm hardworking. And yet I felt like I'd lost my mojo. To be honest, I was used to being an achiever and now I was very overwhelmed being a stay-at-home mum. And there's a lot of that pressure that we should love it and should enjoy it. And I had so many moments of, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. There's too too many wiggles in my life. Like I was going crazy. So my friend who I saw, um, you know, Lauren was a dear friend and she was always amazing. So I told myself the first story and, well, she's amazing, so I can't do that. She was already living this incredible life of all the things that I felt like I couldn't do anymore, traveling. Kids were never her excuse. They were her reason. She was going to balls and dressing up. And i got to tell you, Richard, I look back on this and, honestly, it was people going off to balls and conferences and dressing up in heels. I was like, I don't get that anymore. I don't like look, always look like a mom. I don't get to dress up Lauren, anything. Lauren, Lauren Slocum got you with her social media. She did. She, yes. She, you know, and she was such an early mover on social media. Everyone, everyone else was ignoring it, but she just understood people are nosy. It's a nosy book. People want to nose into your life. And, and it's like Jerry Springer. We want to help it to hope that our life is better compared to yours or we have FOMO. We've got that fear of missing out of they're doing so much cool stuff. And I just, I'm overwhelmed every day. So So, tell me about the conversation. Did you recruit you or did she recruit you? How did the conversation get so smart? You know what Lauren has taught me the best is the drip feed, the patience. And she's not a patient person and neither am I. But when it comes to this profession, it's timing and it's seasons. We never know what season people are going to be in. And my truth on this is people are not going to look for a side venture, another kind of business. When life's amazing and you're in summer and you're rocking and rolling, you're not going to look for another business in that time. But you want to catch them in the other seasons. The shoulders. Maybe not winter because they're so down and out, but you kind of want to catch them on the upside or the downside. Right. So she was persistent with me and I remember a, a really specific moment. I was a poser in the business. I was doing it because she told me I had to. She kind of said, here you have to have the products. I loved them. But she was like, you're going to do the business. And one smart thing that she did was she acted, she acted as if she actually included me in a lot of things before I was official. And how she talked about the company, how she spoke about the integrity, the leadership, the, she was great at drip feeding. And on this one day, she, I had all of my excuses that I was well rehearsed on because she's forceful. So I'm like, I'm just going to give it to you straight, Lauren. Here's all of, they're so legitimate, my excuses. Look out, I'm prepared. Let me and hear, I want to hear go, some of them. She let me go through 
Well, I just couldn't get past the story of I've got three kids under three and a half. It, it was such a story. I just couldn't see past it. How could I, I can't even have a shower some days. God, for God's sake, Lauren. I, you know, I wish my day away. How could I be a proper business person? And, well, I don't know everyone like you do. You're, you're this master coach that travels the world and writes books and does retreats. I could never do that. And she got me in a moment. She listened, and it was one of the most powerful questions back to me. And she, she just said, well, what if you could? <laughs> I was, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I wasn't ready. It was like a left hook. You know, she just, like, was waiting, waiting, waiting. And I'm like, she's listening. She's getting it. She's finally really going to leave me alone on this. And then she just did this, like, little velvet hammer over on the side of, well, what if you could? Really, wow. Linda, like, what, what if you could do this? What if you could create some more? And it, that was really a defining moment for me, a very big defining moment because the right question in the right moment sets you free. It just gets you out of the story that takes over your life and you get this one insight, ask a better question, it unlocks potential, hope, vision, and what is possible instead of what's not possible all the time. We live in that world of what's wrong. So she gave me this window of what if you could. I use that question. We're kind of known as the what if team. I would use that many times a week. It's really. That's the master coach in her being applied to enrollment. Brilliant. Yep. Yep. Incredible question asker. So she was in, she lives in Las Vegas. You live in the Gold Coast of Australia. Yeah. How, how does that work? Because, you know, there's probably a lot of people listening to this that their sponsor is either a long way away physically or a long way away mentally. Right. (laughs) Like their, their sponsor is, yeah, their sponsor is just not engaged. They're not yeah. available. Yeah. How did you how did you engage? How did you learn the business? How did you have belief that you could do it? How did you get yourself trained with your sponsor being whatever that is, yes. ten thousand miles away? Yes. So Lauren was always just great at being the example. She's not the detail girl, and I'm not either. So you know, my independence had to come really quickly and I'm forever grateful, even though I probably moaned about it a lot in the, in the early days when you're looking for what's wrong, I would have moaned about it more than I appreciated it. Now I'm so appreciative because I learned the skills to build globally. I've never had the excuse of, I don't care where you live. If we can talk on the phone, this was before Facebook. Facebook was brand new. I certainly wasn't on it. And there was no Zoom. Right. I mean, Zoom has just been a game changer for this profession. So yeah. it was dial in. It was, um, you know, calling cards with 5,000 numbers to, to listen in. And so my early vision was captured from the U.S. At my first conference in Australia, there was only 80 people. Wow. And I was at the back of the room kind of going, is this my tribe? I don't know. I didn't really introduce myself to anyone. I was just watching and looking. And I had some early success. And back then, you didn't have to be very successful to win Franchisee of the Year. (laughs) And (laughs) Franchisee, it was such a gift because at that time, we wouldn't have invested in an overseas trip. 
to go to a youth plus conference. So winning that, that was a gift from God. That was some sort of divine intervention because I got to see 10,000 people right. at the US conference and this infectious energy and talk about hope and belief in what's possible. And then I asked a quality question like, what's up with Australia? And what do we have to do to bring that here? Right. And that was, I just got laser focused. If they can do a weekend, of course, we're yeah. Aussies. We can do anything. Right. So tell me about your early success. So your sponsors in Las Vegas, you don't know anything about network marketing. You're brand new to Juice Plus. There's not a lot going on in Australia. There's not an infrastructure that, yeah. well, I don't know. There's not much of an infrastructure. There's not, I don't imagine there were any big meetings for you to go to. But tell me, what was the what was the environment? What was the structure? What was the setup for you to get started? And how did you get started? Like, what did you do your first month, your first two months, your first three months to create that early success? Yes. So I, you know, my first in-home was by the book. I opened up the starter guide and looked through it. The American one was this thick and the Australian one was this thick. And I liked, I liked all of the knowledge in the American one, but I liked the simplicity of the Australian one, which was have people around and flip them through the book. I'm like, okay, it seems a little naff, but I'll try it. This is what I'm supposed to do. And is that an Australian Lauren, word, naff? What is <laughs> naff, that? Yeah. And I like things to be cool, right? But I didn't know how to make it cool back uh, then. But Uncool. Naft is uncool. And you know why? Because I was uh, income was a big thing. I was prepared to get uncomfortable and be naff and be uncool. Yeah. Good. I was ready to do that. So, so that's how you did your first class for presentation was just flipping through the book. Yeah. And putting on a DVD. <laughs> Way to and go. God bless them. These you know, two of the friends that came along to just cheer me on and be kind were my first customers and the first team. One of them really got going six years later with me. So you just never know out of your first 10 people what's going to happen four, five, six years down the track. I love that wow. you're always teaching us, Richard, about that long-term vision. This is a long-term business that yeah. really, it's the compounding that happens. And I see that time and time again in, in the relationships. So that first event, I just followed the system. I really did if I look back to it. And there was a women's call that a sideline beautiful heart-centered leader did and I just couldn't believe someone across the other side of the country was doing this out of their own time and their own energy and generosity and I could join it and that was an early insight into well there is people doing this in Australia and I can't believe they're so generous you know I'm not on their team or anything but they're going to help me so I learned sidelining very early on and in fact I would I would say on those harder times that we inevitably have. It was the sideline relationships. A, a maxim that I just live by is leaders maximize resources. If we ever feel like we can't do something, we're just in a story that we don't have any resources. And that's never true. It's never true. So right. I, I got good at picking up the phone. And something else that I love about this profession, and I think this is across all companies, 
when there's a leader who has been given much and received abundance and just been mentored themselves, we have a desire to help, whether people are on our team or not. So every single person that I ever asked, would you give me 10 minutes? Would you help me with this? Would you? I got more than 10 minutes. Right. I, that blew me away. So learning early servant leadership, I really always had a bigger vision than myself. Even though the first few years are pretty self-intensive, I wanted to be like those leaders. All right. Well, tell me, uh, drop it down to, uh, you, you mentioned your first, what'd you call it, an at-home? In-home. In-home. <laughs> How many people showed up? Seven. And how many got in? One, one team, a two team actually, two team and four orders. So good conversion, like, hey, this works. This yeah. works. So I didn't got, have to be the expert. So you got four customers and you got two people signed up to join yep. your team. And I know you're not like, you don't have a great grasp of numbers 10 years ago, but. <laughs> um, any idea how many people you personally enrolled, say, in the first three months? It would have been maybe five. And, okay. and they were people that I was just like, you got to do this. My sister, you know, right. we went, went for kind of the fast, the fast promotion system because what I understood, well, before I understood the business, I understood the bonuses. Right. Good. So I was going, well, I understand how to go for a bonus. I'm going for that. So right. I still teach that right now that the rest is going to take care of, of as we build. You'll understand that as we go, but let's go for this 300, 400, 500. Beautiful. So I did that with my sister first off, who right. by the way has just come back into the business properly after 10 years. There you go. So you had one that took six years to, to get going and one that came back around after 10 years. Yeah, and all the time they've been on the product. So just cheering me on, cheering me on. So those early wins, the early victories, and I believe in the first 60 to 90 days are crucial. And even Lindy from our head office was instrumental in calling me and following me up. Yeah, you told me that. That's, that's fascinating that a staff member from the office really was your surrogate sponsor here in Australia. Yeah. And and Lauren was, was amazing. You know, she had another friend drop by to cheer me on and support me. And Lauren was always there to do what she could. Right. So uh, take, give us a glimpse of like your first year. What did your business look like after year one? How many people had you personally enrolled? And what was the size of your team? However you want to describe it. Sales volume, income, total distributors. Yeah, I, prob I think cross companies income is maybe a, 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 a good yardstick. And that's what I can always remember. Um, I would have gotten to kind of uh, position number three, which is the first leadership position. And I did, uh, I focused on five new customers and one new team every month. Okay. Sometimes good. I would get two team, but that was my minimum again, because I understood it. And right. here's why they, the company was smart. They gave a bonus for when you got five new customers and one new team, you got a $150 bonus. If you did it the second month in a row, consecutive months, you got 300. Ah. And if you kept doing it, 
That was 300 guaranteed. I understood a bit of the other, but I could not explain the marketing plan. Mm -hmm. So this was, this was money that, that I could understand today. And it was doable. I did it before right. I could do it again. And I had to, I had to keep getting out of my comfort zone to five to find another five. So I did kindergartens and expos and um, yeah, I did the wellness expo um, was an early good decision that led to um, one of my first real followers. What is, so, I, I've never heard of anybody prospecting at kindergarten. How does that work? <laughs> oh, it works. It, actually, it works great. I, I encourage people to do that. If they feel like they've run out of their wall market or they're just not comfortable in there anymore, um, you know, one of our products is safe for kids, amazing for kids. It's a free okay. kids product. And right. Hindis are just rampant with bad health. So they're, they're kind of our no-brainer, the door opener. So if you stand with a table at the front of the kindy, giving samples and talking with other mums, quite a few of my five ones came from that. So you can do that? You can go to kindergarten and set up a booth? Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and you know why, though? It's always the same, right, Richard? You add value. You be right. nice. You, you create fun. And I was, I was always passionate about health. So I was giving free, um, you know, talks on that because I didn't understand that my value was enough without giving away everything yet. Right. But those early days is where you get great at questions and conversation and objections. So by the end of the first year, how much money were you earning consistently every month? I would say probably about that six, 600 to a thousand a month. Great. Which at that and, time was amazing right. for us. So, and, and yeah, that made a big difference in your household. It did. Yep. So by the, end of, by the end of your second year, so just briefly touch on the second year, did you maintain the same intensity of personal customers and distributing distributors the Always. second year? Yep. Always. Good. So one to two distributors a month and maybe five customers. And yeah. what did your team or your income look like um, at the end of your second year? It would have probably got to double. So that would have been, uh, you know, the, the higher leadership position. Right. And that would have been consistently maybe 1500 to 2000 great maybe double and in that second year can still you, not a lot my husband's no, still going yeah but you're spending all this time and <laughs> spending all this money and you do this and you he still was like yeah that's really good honey but right and i was more determined can you give us a sense of how had things changed by the end of the second year mike how many people do you remember being on your team and how had the, how had you changed the local landscape? Like, were you having weekly events? Were you having monthly rallies yes. and how many people were showing up to those? Yeah. Early. Oh, it, it was always eight to 10 and the in-home model, because I had that first success with it. I kept going with that. I just, I understood it. And to me, it was just guaranteed new team and new customers. So I kept running with that. So 
um, when, you know, my dear friend Celine joined the company, she had a lot of direct marketing um, experience. So she kind of showed us the in-home version even better. And yeah, so a lot of my early customer attraction and team attraction was through the in-homes, making them fun. And um, I learned a lot in those, those first two years. And, right. and it's not easy. No, that's a lot. There's a lot of work for sure in those first two years. But if we stay with the story, we get to see how it pays off. Yes. So can you remember, maybe by thinking about your rank and the size of your team, um, what your income was at the end of your third year? I would have been um, heading up to that three to four, closer to our top position at NMD, which is, which is, you know, at a minimum about five, but up to 8,000 a month. So. Yeah. So you're where, doubling in the first. Yeah three years you're doubling every year. Yeah, pretty much. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and so fourth year, which was six, maybe seven years ago, you have a sense. So I'm what I'm mapping people on for Linda yes. is the four year career. Yes. So your fifth year, you yes. let's say you completed the fourth year in your fifth year, do you remember anything about the size of your team, your income, your rank? Yeah, yeah, that I do because that's when, um, you know, my mentors, Jeff and Cheryl, always talked about a tipping point. And I was obsessed with that tipping point. If they can do it, I can do it. If I'm the little engine that could and I never give up on a bad day, I cannot fail. I'm just going to keep going and going if I keep doing the same activity. Right. I understood that. You know, the four-year career helped me so much with that. The compound effect, they yeah. were my Bibles. I understood it. So in that fifth year, I was ready for it to go boom, and it did. Yeah. So I got, I um, reached the, the pinnacle position, NMD, and I wanted to go in there as what we call a 24 club, um, which was unusual to, to go in with uh, the strength in the business. And then it was less than a year that I went from 24 to 39 clubs. So that six, 7,000 a month to 10,000 a month. So did you hit the 10,000 a month your fifth year? Yeah. Beautiful. Well, that's crushing the four-year career. And we don't, we usually don't talk about money, but I don't mind talking about 10 grand a month. But here's where I'll just let people in on the size of your team today is like 20,000 people and does like a million five a month in sales. So I'll just let everybody imagine how much money you earn. <laughs> it just, you know, once you get to that tipping point, right. it just becomes a grass fire and providing you have the right products, the right culture, the right training, the right systems, you know, anybody can recruit, uh, create a recruiting frenzy that fizzles out because yes. the products don't stand up. But one of the things that we love about legacy companies that, you know, is so important for people to learn is if you don't have real customers, if you don't have a real product line with real customers, what is the definition of that? Most of your sales come from people who are buying the products every month month in, month out, year in, year out, 
and it has nothing to do with the compensation plan. It doesn't matter what you call people. Maybe their designation is retail customer. Maybe they're a member. Maybe they're a distributor, but they don't ever recruit anybody, and they just want the product. It doesn't matter what you call them. What matters is what's driving the volume, and if the product is driving the volume, then you have the ability to just continue to let that geometric progression compounding yeah. just just run away with doubling your income every year. Yes. And that's where wealth is created, where, you know, now, Linda, not that you would, but you could retire. You right. could sit on the beach. You could sit on the beach with your iPad and throw down a little recognition on social media every day <laughs> and hop on a Zoom a couple of times a month and once a year go to Nashville and, you know, see and be seen. Yeah. And your income probably still going to double every year. Yeah. And that's the magic of network marketing. Yeah. So here's a question for you. What is in 10 plus years, what is the biggest bonehead move you have made? That would be American for mistake. Mm. What, and you made it one time, like a real big mistake, or it was just a bad habit. And it might not be, Linda, in, it might not have affected recruiting necessarily or rank advancement or income. It might have affected health, integrity, yeah. relationships. Yeah. What's the biggest yeah, mistake? It. What's the biggest mistake you've made in 10 years? For the first four years, I was controlling and an employer. And even though I thought I was uplifting and inspiring, I, I dragged people. I was like, you're going to be successful. And I just like was, ah, you're going to be an NFT, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and so my pure passion was enough to get me through but that comes at a big cost. It takes a lot of energy. And there's not as many people as crazy as you when you're trying to control, which is really coming from fear and scarcity. Like, yeah. I have to do this. And you can see that in the profession. It was disguised well, but I was fear-driven and it was um, largely still about me in those earlier years. And... I knew because I saw other good examples of leaders that had posture that were coming from inspiration and that had found that incredible balance of working with people with two hands up. But I'm like, I just can't find those people. I can't find those people. I can't find those. And of course, what you tell yourself every day is your reality. So right. I wasn't finding people with two hands up. I built a giant orphanage. And everyone was so dependent on me being amazing. I enjoyed being amazing. Um, <laughs> but you don't get any freedom in there. You get accolades, you get um, significance, you get ego, you get all of those great things. But it's exhausting. You can't keep that up. And I think um, that, that, that in our business, I think that you get capped at a certain rank if you don't surrender the control and, and start inspiring and start serving. 
in a right. different way. So I, right. I see that is it's very different to have big duplication to a two or three that you kind of still control and that you're involved in 24 seven people messaging so, you at 11 o'clock at night. That sounds like a scary and treacherous and challenging transition. How did you do it? Um, I was in, I was in permanent frustration. I think, the, the, the mantra of leaders maximize resources and I was always pretty teachable. I look back now and go, huh, maybe I wasn't. I liked to believe that I was always teachable. So when someone was having success, I was there. What's the formula? What's the recipe? What are you doing? And I was good at creating genuine relationships with all kinds of sidelines. So when there was a very big and it felt very sudden success in Europe, um, which was just more fun, more uh, learning. This was the big thing. I didn't know how to proudly talk about our business. Oh, I wow. could just like bore you senseless with an hour product presentation and tell you why you were basically going to die if you didn't have <laughs> our products. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But I couldn't have the same congruency, authenticity, passion in talking about the business because I wasn't living the talk and it wasn't in alignment. So that was, that was such a beautiful transition for me because it was a very obvious piece once I looked within. I had a great coaching call with a beautiful mentor, um, Gordon Hester, and he's just like, Linda, the reports are great you're all good. You can recruit, you can keep, you can promote. He's like, now it's time to look within. And that was very profound for me because I wasn't going to get the answers external anymore. I had to yeah. then go reveal more to me of, you know, what's, what, what's preventing me? What, what's the real thing here? So I'm thankful for my friends in the UK that taught me, um, reminded me to have fun reminded me of the gifts of, of what to really appreciate in this business and to stop playing small. I was playing so small. No one knew what I would do, especially on social media. And I wasn't out loud and proud. I thought, Oh, you, you're just a wanker. If you talk about success on uh, social media. So I started to dabble with that. And then I found a different experience that it, in fact, we must, we must be proud. We, we must be the example to, entice people to to you know really consider this as a profession that can change their life right so that was a big so, game changer is that during that transition is that when you started diving into your own transformational development uh culminating I, your coaching skills yeah. or did that happen um, before so I have been a huge personal development, I wouldn't say junkie because I don't like that word. I would just say, um, let's call me an addict. <laughs> an, an affectionado. Yes. And, um, that was always there. I understood to grow my business, I have to grow me. So I never stopped doing that. I definitely amped it up because I could feel my limits. I could feel I was aware of limits sneaking in. I was aware of my stinking thinking on how much money am I gleefully 
and abundantly ready to receive each month. How much, you know, I've just started to notice and ask better questions of what's really holding me back. And just it's that transition of where you really, really begin to care less what other people think, which is stifling for many people. And it's a work in progress. Some days I really care and other days I'm completely fearless. I never know what's going to come out of my mouth. And other days I'm, um, I, I am in pleaser mode and I don't, you know, I, I don't want to offend and, but I catch myself now and, and really consciously ask who do I need to be right now? You know, which, which part of me needs to be in, in the leadership privacy right now. Okay. So the next question you don't get the easy answer to, cause you can't use what we just talked about as the answer. Sounds and the exciting. next, the next question is in 10 years, what is the smartest thing you've done? And you can't use the letting go of control as the answer. Cause we already okay. covered that. Well, the smartest thing that I have done stayed in the game. Ah, wow. Stayed in the game. I never, you know what? I never put down momentum. Never once. I never not did the do. I'm, I'm always doing the, the work. I'm doing the, the psychology work and I'm doing the, the grit and I, I never put it down. Never, never once. Well, that's, that's what I gives t- you the compounding. If you, if you never put it down, if you keep doing the do, you're compounding. You're, it's just, and that's the secret to growth here is figure yes. out how to, you know, the analogy we use in the four-year careers, if you take a penny and double it every day, yeah. you have over $5 million at the end of 30 days. But if you only double it every other day, $163. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> most it. people who are starting and stopping and getting distracted and yeah. getting in a funk and, yeah. you know, they say, wait a minute, I've been doing this for 30 days, which, you know, might be like three years, but, and they've built a $163 business and they wonder why. And it's, it's just because you just got to do it every day. So I'm curious about this. Um, what's the worst day you had in the first four or five years, you know, we all have these, you know, somebody quit or whatever, you know, some catastrophe and you're curled up on the couch, sucking your thumb in the fetal position, seriously considering quitting or you actually did. And fortunately you didn't tell enough people that you quit (laughs) to do any damage. (laughs) There's been a few. I'm just, I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to think of the one that's going to serve the most. So first of all, just to serve everyone watching, there's been several and along with the smartest thing I ever did was really surround myself with more good then more negative, more leadership, more mentoring, more positive people. Crowd out the crap is my thing. It's kind of like the the glass that you did. That's what we have to keep doing. So even on the bad days when I did want to quit, I knew I could never quit. I was well inoculated on that. And I learned to reframe that each of those really 
the worst moments. There's a, such a beautiful gift if you're brave enough to power through it. There's a gift. It's, it's a lesson. I call it a blessing. It's a blessing disguised as a lesson and a big punch in the face right. or, you know, a feather, a brick, a Mack truck. Will you tell us what happened? Uh, so everyone got to go to the ball but me. So I was like Cinderella. I like this one. Oh, yeah. Oh, tell us the details. If someone else even got to wear my dress, for God's sake, everyone really is going off in their black tie. You remember why I really joined this business. I told you at the start. was to dress yeah. up. Go to balls. Right. right. I've just made this connection myself. My God. So somehow I locked myself out rather than they locked me out. I locked myself out because I was complaining about results. I didn't get work. I didn't do. I did not want to face up to that. I was very much below the line. Like, don't you know how hard I work? Don't you, you know, what about me? It was such a moment of, I can't believe I'm going to punish you by leaving. And I, I went through for about half an hour of that. And then I'm really, I remember when I did that, when I worked um, in PR for the Victoria Police for about half a minute, and I'm going to leave. They wouldn't have even cared for half an hour. <laughs> so I knew, really, people don't care if you leave. Not really. This is my but own so, journey. So, for, so people are clear, if you're willing, tell us what happened. Was there a contest that you missed or was there a big recognition so, event right. and you got left out or yes yes and so one of my sideline buddies one of them had made it and another one had created so much um you know flurry of momentum and success in the previous six months she wasn't the official rank to get there but she kind of got a shoulder tap like you've done enough you're gonna come in and I don't know if it was deliberate. It may have been. All three of us are here. And she got the tap right in front of me. Like, you can come along with Nat. You guys are and going to the ball. And you didn't and get I'm the tap? Like, and I'm chopped you... liver here, just sitting here like, oh, my God. And then she's, you know, oh, I don't have anything to wear. And I'm like, I've got a dress. Uh, <laughs> you, you literally loaned her the dress. Yeah, I'm oh like, I've got a dress. Yeah. <laughs> It was, it was, oh my goodness. It got me. There was this moment, it got me when I was taking photos of them all, still like, ah, smiling, it's so great, I'm so happy for you. No, I'm not. And then I'm taking the photos and then the, the elevator closed as they were all going down and I just had this moment of, what the hell? What am I doing? This is outrageous. It's like when you get a really big parking ticket or speeding fine, you can argue all you want, but you did it. Just take the responsibility. The faster, the better. And I did not want to take it. Right. So it was a bit of, it was a bit of pill, but on the other side of that bitterness, if you stick with it and you, you find the gift, stick with it and, and dig deeper and find the gift. What do you need to learn? What are you not seeing? What do you need to remember? What do you need to let go of? What are you really doing? I had that moment with myself and it was like, right, that's it. I'm never missing out on that stupid ball again. They're going to rename it after me. I'm going to clean up every freaking award. Even if Aussies can't, I'm going to like be like the America's cup. I'm going to come and swoop out your American award. 
There's nothing and you better will know than, my name. So. <laughs> there's nothing better than mad motivation. <laughs> it, it, it was good fuel. It was good fuel. Um, All right. What's really cool, I get to, I've retold this a lot within our company. So a lot of people are missing out on things at the moment too. And they'll often message me saying, Linda, I'm, I'm having one of your moments like at the Eltons, you know, and I thanks for sharing that because, yep, I'm having a good talk with myself. So good. It, it was a blessing for sure. So I'm sure people will like to hear a little bit of this. Tell us what, what is life like up on top of the power curve riding the big wave where you don't ever have to worry about money. You might have to think about what to do with it, but you don't have to right. worry about it. Right. And, and you've built such a bulletproof business in a bulletproof company that you don't ever, ever have to worry about it ever in your future. And you have total abundance. How do you, what do you do with life at that level? Tell us a little bit about, I don't know, your travel, your adventures, your possessions, your, your service, your contribution, your yeah. investments, your, your jewelry. I don't know. Yeah, tell, us, yeah. tell us about your life. And I want to be really, I, I just really want to serve everyone here and be just so honest and real that the thing that changed is I, I was out of desperation and the worry of, of that financial fear because we did get to rock bottom and it's, it's not the goals and the stuff. It's who you become. Right. And I really, really want everyone to get that, that I wouldn't change any part of it and knock on wood. I'm not wishing for this. If it was all taken away, I'd build it again right. in a quarter of the time because it's my skill set and it's, it's who I've become. It's the right. values that I've been able to embody and, and create in the family. So years ago when I first um, heard of the concept of life by design and, and designing a masterpiece life, that, that just spoke to my soul. I'm like, I'm, I want that. What, what is my masterpiece? I'm going to get really clear and obsessed on what this is. And now my passion is teaching that. It's really teaching that even if you're not where you want to be at the moment and you are in financial fear, you can still set up your life by design and move out of that fear. Just even one hour a day when you trust and have faith and belief, you can create that too. So my passion for this profession and what it can give people who have the courage to last the distance it's such a gift. It's, it's incredible. So for me, you know, James will often look at me you know, sometimes because we have a global business. I'll be getting off a call at, you know, midnight and I'm still just like fired up and I'm too buzzing and I can't go to sleep. And he'll look at me and he'll be like, you're never going to stop doing this, right? And I'm like, I'm not. I'm not because now I get to. I don't have to. Now I get to. And it's different. It's yeah. a different fuel. It's it's heart driven. It's, um, it, it's a beautiful responsibility and I'm so honored to be in it. And, and the people who we attract in this profession are hungry. 
they're, they're, they're wanting to learn, they're wanting to step into their best version, the emotional revenue, it's easy to say that, right? It's easy to say, oh, I love the emotional revenue. Yay, because now we get to live in a mansion and we get to, we get to do a lot of what we want. You know, the next level for me is business class for all the family. We're not doing that this trip, but we are going to Europe for six weeks. And last time I was in Europe, I was broken cold. So I'm ready to just be warm and lavish just to like make up for, <laughs> for when we were first married on our honeymoon. Yeah, we get to, we get to choose to do a lot. I get to um, choose it at an incredible um, you know, coach and an incredible peer group. I, you know, we invest, reinvest a lot into personal development. We'll, we'll always do that. We get about 60 hours extra a week with our kids. Our kids yeah. are sick of us because <laughs> we're just always there. Do you know, it's like we both pick them up from school and they'll moan that someone, you know, one of the adults got their front seat. It was someone's turn and we're messing up the turns, you know, Right. Then you're just like, this is great. This is a quality problem because they have no clue about how much abundance they have. And I love it. I love it that way. And it's to, to live life in your, in, in your highest values, I, I think is one of the best gifts in the world. And you don't need money for that. What you need is, is time to stop and think and create and get out of reaction and survival and, and the mind and, and, and create a space of what do you really want and directing life like that. So you don't need money to do that. That's what I'm saying as well. You need just time and space. And you can do that just with half an hour every day. Give yourself that gift of half an hour every day of what I call visioneering, how you want life to be. Because everything in life is geared to keep it exactly the same. It's sitting in the same office, the same chair, the same lamp. I'm married to the same man, the kids, are, everything's the same as yesterday and history. So there's not a lot of encouragement and time and space to think about how we want it to be and how we want to be part of co-creating that. So that would be part of my advice if, if, if this resonates with anyone is to create that half hour to condition how you really do want to be living. And I get to live that now. We do get to, you know, my husband's taken our, our eldest daughter, our 12-year-old, out of school for the week, which I think is amazing because I can't stand school or homework or, or, or all of that rules. It's important, but I love that we're taking her out for a week and he has taken her skiing for two days before she's gone to Tony Robbins and she's fire walking. At 12. So even though both, you know, she was scared to do that, she now has this permanent experience of I can do it anyway. And, and we can refer to that experience and anchor for the rest of her life. And she has contribution in her values. And she, she's already living that. So I just, I think time and connection with kids, that was the masterpiece life. We're spending time with the people that we love the most. The things are nice. Don't get me wrong. I love them. Travel is where I invest all my money. <laughs> Some wardrobe, not jewelry, not yeah. I don't, I don't have a lot of that stuff. I still have an older car, a sensible car. Um, but yeah, I, I love that we get to. I love that we can, and I think that the legacy that that I really want to leave for 
our family is with our legacy company is lives forever um, improved into their, their higher purpose because this is what we give back to people, their time. We give them back their time when they utilize it well. And I firmly, I really do believe you can build an empire in, in two really focused hours a day, really focused, high paying, no nonsense, not distracted hours a day, you know, doing the high paying activities. That's that I'm, I'm more excited than ever. I'm like Jeff Roberti. I'm just like, sign me up again. Let's do it all again. Because this, and this profession just keeps getting better. It, yeah. it just is magnifying and the speed of, I think it's never been cooler to be in this profession. You so know, what, I, um, as we wind this up, give me a couple of minutes on what do you see for the future? What are you going to do in the next four or five years? And what do you see for other people in network marketing? Well, I personally want to raise up at least another six, um, you know, seven figure earners, because what that means is that's a direct reflection of how many they're impacting. Right. And from there, that's lives change. That's better relationships. That's better health. That's people uh, really, that's a shift in consciousness for me. When people are, are more in, in love and values and living the life that they want to be, they attract better relationships. We break chains. We break fear. We, we, we break the money stories that we've inherited, you know, for decades about there's not enough abundance or if I'm abundant, then you have to be less abundant. We get to change that. We get to raise beliefs and consciousness in this business because it's a personal development business. And... So for me in the next five years and 10 years, and I am specific about what that looks like, there's so much more adventure, but I, every day I just go, I'm already living it. I'm already, for, for at least 10 minutes a day, I look around and just look at everything that's amazing and what to appreciate. Because let's face it, I can walk through this giant house and still find what's wrong. <laughs> that's the mind right i'm tempted oh this is scrappy oh we need to renovate this this is ugly this is and then i i when i feel that tension rise with that i just stop and go look at this i would have given my right arm six years ago for all the challenges the um you know the beliefs the the material things that we have attracted in yeah that didn't exist five years ago. So I, I'm excited for everyone that's in this profession to keep their vision, just hold it so, so close and dear. You are a beautiful story, Linda. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for, we're at time, so I need to wrap this up. Um, but you are a heartfelt, very inspiring, high integrity, ultra high performing, leader that has that has lived and experienced some great lessons yeah and you know you and i could talk for uh we could do like a three-day zoom academy <laughs> i'd love to let's do it every 10 or 15 minutes i'll ask you a short question and you'll give me <laughs> a short your, question and you'll give me years of answer 
That's me. My job is easy. <laughs> you are a treasure, Linda Eviden. Thank you so much for joining us on another Bliss Business Hero Call. And Excellent. for those, yeah. Thank you Good. for what you have done for this profession, what you continue to do. Yours was one of the first books I read and definitely one I've passed on many times. We, we, we are grateful for the shining light um, that you and your wife are really continuing to create. I'm excited what you guys are going to be doing in the next five to 10 years too. Yeah. Thank you, Linda. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, signing off, go to Richard Brook. RichardBrook.com to access 99 other hero calls. Thank you, Linda. Over and out. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. If you are inspired and are ready to create your own success story, then it is time to take advantage of some of the top network marketing tools available. Pick up the top recruiting tool that has prospects saying, yes, the four-year career and the four-year career for women. Get your mindset right. Without a clear vision, success is lost. Check out the best-selling book on vision, Mach 2 with your hair on fire. Learn to think like a successful person with this step-by-step -step guide on how to break through your self-imposed limitations. Mach 2 Vision Training is a 90-minute, four-part video training where you get Richard to walk you through crafting your vision. It's a must for anyone looking to step outside the box and hit the ground running. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. This success story is not typical. It is meant to inspire you and show you what's possible. It is not what you should expect to accomplish. Your income will depend entirely on you, your commitment, your work ethic, your leadership, and your ability to acquire customers and inspire sales leaders to join your team. Most people who start off intending to build a sales team do not maintain their motivation to continue. 